Evan Bliss. Well, here we are again. <clears throat> Do you believe it? I'm so pumped. I think this one's going to be one for the ages. I think so, too. I'm, like, so happy and joy-filled about it. Wow. And it's excellent that it's happening with you. Yeah. This guy knows how to flatter, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I think we're both a little blissed out. This I was telling Alan earlier, this the fire plus this lighting, it just feels like you're in a sun sun cave or something. Yeah. It's kind of an odd oxymoron, a sun cave. Caves are usually dark, but <clears throat> beside the point. Yeah. And most of that bliss that we speak of comes from a knowing. Sure. It comes from a knowing that is indescribable and ineffable as Lao Tzu says that the Tao that can be named is not the eternal Tao. <laughs> Yet, as we have dialectic about the nature of our existence, as we sort of pierce the veil of our selves, who we truly are, why we are here, it becomes more and more of a natural state of being is that bliss that sure peace that love that compassion that wisdom that quote being high on life yeah and so one of the things that we wanted to do in this conversation was sort of provide a more common facing dialectic. So something that was a little bit more relatable, a little bit more, we want to make this portal that we're creating with the show, we want to make it a little bit more efficacious, efficient with people to be able to jump through and to see kind of what we're talking about. So one of the best places to start is really asking yourself the perennial question, the one that's plastered around all of the ancient spiritual traditions. What is I? <laughs> What is me? What is that? And if we begin down that path of what is the I, what is the nature of our existence, 
and what is the nature of even just the simple fact of being aware, then it usually leads <clears throat> people down paths of investigation to where they get to sort of what we were talking about a moment ago. one of the first things that usually comes on that path is the the realization of the we're going to create a juxtaposition and Hopefully, that juxtaposition will be helpful for people, but ultimately, it is one. So we are separating into two, as Evan pointed out before we went live, to create contrast in <laughs> order for people to slowly baby step towards this. Or if you want to, as Siddhara Mishwar said, you can bird's way yourself to this, these realizations. So the juxtaposition is as simple as we're going to use the word coloration to describe thoughts feelings, emotions, objects. And that's coloration of your awareness, of your consciousness, of your sentience. And then what is awareness or consciousness or sentience without coloration? And so by creating that juxtaposition and sort of like you're working out a muscle, you're basically over time becoming more and more aware of awareness without coloration. Hmm. Is that making sense? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um... I think the, there's a meta element to this, like, <clears throat> because Greta and I think, as we said before we started this, we want this to kind of go where it goes. Um, but I think we probably, since we both had this topic in the back of our minds for a few weeks, um, since we first kind of discussed the idea of centering something around this, I think both of our brains have probably deliberated on this topic. <clears throat> and... Yeah, I think almost the meta side of what you just said is is I think what we were thinking that this conversation could be about is almost, or I guess through my reading, was, I mean, I think it can be a meditation, but I think there's almost a, a directness and a specificity as well that 
the thesis I had in mind was almost how do analytical people like us, how do, how do people that are whose first impulse is to take a scientific analytical point of view on examining life events or oneself, how do you get in touch with the feeling aspect? Yes. This, this idea that <clears throat> rationality has a, um, that there, that there is the notion that rationality can't solve everything, right? Or doesn't have all the answers, you know, that, and I think there is a tendency if you're that type of person, you know, that really, um, would you say really respects and glorifies rationality, which is such a powerful tool that you don't want to get, it's, it's one must be careful not to get so drunk on rationality that they don't, that they can't see the things bubbling up inside themselves, which, which I think we were alluding coloration. To maybe that is that's we literally that's probably the coloration, and to use your terminology, yeah, yeah. I mean, and <clears throat> you know, I don't know a way to. Th and some of this is is. I can only make assumptions about how your audience what they're like or what they're not like. And I would think that based off generally the kind of talks you have on your channel that they probably are more analytical science interested folks. So, I mean, perhaps there is some practical utility and can we, I'm not saying we, we were going to solve this kind of idea of helping them get in touch with their feelings in one day, but maybe even just saying the, maybe just positing that as an idea is enough, you know, kind of this idea that, and I think Actually, this is a go good, ahead. This yeah. is a good place. <clears throat> when Evan brings up the notion of becoming more in touch with a an integral or a holistic approach to your being, that includes not only the analytical, rational, scientific but includes this sort of feeling, emotional, body-oriented approach. Yeah, that's a actually that's a really good way to put it. It is very much centered in the body, and I, you know, and this is sort of anecdotal, but I think if you were to observe <laughs> your average nerd, if you will, right? Like, there's a reason why we associate body awkwardness with nerds, right? because everything's up here like they're not they haven't made peace and made um they don't understand their connection between the mind and the body right or they haven't fleshed that out they've yet to to flesh that out in their way of being right um very much like this you know what i mean graphic yeah. from the high level perception chapter mm. nine on identity because it is very much like having a red box around your head and living in your head and living in a completely cut off separate not only from your own body yeah. not only from your own body which is where most people run into the situation of like like when you have a signal coming from your body <laughs> of like bruh like your knees right now or your lower back right now like get up and go stretch in the sun for, for 10 sure. minutes like you were doing yep 
like, okay, so if you're not in tune with that, you, uh, that's already some place to become more in tune. So yeah. that is a good starting point. And then an the example on the left is sort of the next level, which is beyond just having the interconnection of the body, which there we reference a lot with sort of the the respiration and the water and the food and the microbiome. Sure. But also the relationship that that has, that individual has in a more perforated sort of way. Like their entire <laughs> being is more perforated. And so that way it, Explain that a little it's more. more porous. Okay. So it's more porous. The The individual is much more porous in its understanding that that inhale came from the photosynthesis of phytoplankton and trees. And so I'm more aware of that depth of interconnection, how literally <laughs> the planet is sustaining my life. And so now we're at a whole nother level where it's not just I'm becoming aware of my individual body, mm. but I'm becoming aware of the entire planet's aliveness, the entire planet's unity, the entire planet's interconnectivity. And so then at that point, like the oceanicness of the planet, yeah. at, at that point, that's where we become sort of next level. So we can, let's stay at sort of the lower level for now, which yeah. was what you were indicating, which is sort of moving one's attention uh, from, you know, again, just thinking about it like, like a hole in the hole. If you're only taking the perspective of the analytical and the rational, then you're missing simultaneously, right? Because you want to simultaneously be able to hold the feeling and the emotional and the body perspective, the heart perspective, the gut perspective, while you hold the brain, cutting everything up, chopping it all up scientifically validating it I have an actually really interesting and really like to the point thing to say here like perfect I think what's interesting about this is the analytical the the physical and the oceanic physical almost represent three archetypes right like um, if you take those things that are most stereotypical the analytical is like the geek that's sitting in the back of the class that is scrawling all these brilliant notes like can't keep his glasses on his face because he's like so physically unaware of his body mechanism and if you take that to its highest um impetus that's not a complete picture because all those ideas will live and die with that person because he lacks he's not grounded in the physical enough to to propagate those ideas right like they never leave his mind they never leave this part because they haven't transferred themselves out through the body archetype number two is somebody who's super in the body is is the joke is the hollywood version of the dumb jock right like mm. they're so grounded in their body mm. they're so grounded in their body so good at catching that pass at at like doing that bicep curl at, at, at just you know feeling that central energy around women you know that this kind of very much of the physical but that's a beauty too because you're speaking the native language of animals and of humans and you need that you need that in your arsenal but 
if you take that to its extreme, it's, it, it has no brain, right? It has no analytical. It has no philosophical. It's devoid. It's so embodied that it's, it's, it has no further potential beyond just that one vessel. It's very singular. And then I would say the third one, the archetype, is the hippie, right? Like the very much in the body, but in, in a body consciousness, like this idea that everybody is connected. And, and I would say in the same way that those, those three archetypes all have their beauty and the light side, which is this interconnectedness allows a, a degree of, there's a soft power in that, the empathy, the em empathic ability to connect to others, to the, the ability to hold your highest values up because you understand the connectedness. But, but then there's the pathological version too, which yes. is once again, perhaps you don't understand enough about your own ego to see what everybody has an ego. And, and I would argue that I think the other case to be made is perhaps it's not that any one of those is a higher or lower level. It's just knowing when that tool, which one of those archetypes do you embody in a certain moment based off the, the necessary outcome, the most high outcome, right? Because I, I think that's the biggest thing you see in the world, right, is, is yeah. folks that are speaking their native language through one of those three archetypes, but their message fails to resonate with a broader audience because they're too niched up on one of those archetypes, you know? It's very chameleon is what the optimal would be in that scenario. In, but in granted, this is just one man's point of view. And, and I think this is maybe even fresh in my mind too, because this morning I went to, I went to, uh, this, this, um, this like group workout thing on the beach in Santa Monica. And like, I loved it. And I, and I will full well admit, like it's a little bit, it's a few inches or a few feet beyond like, my comfort level in terms of groundedness in that body thing. Cause I am, my default is up here, man. I'm, I'm more that first one than I am the second one. But with time I've, I've learned, I've learned some of the native language of that second archetype. And it's, it's useful because it opens up a whole new audience that you can interface with in a whole new way, a whole new language in which to navigate the world. But I, you know, it's when you go in the most extreme version of that that you get smacked in the face and you think, wow, this really is, my native tongue is not this, but how can I integrate the, the light side of it? So to use almost your um, version, you talk about this idea, like how do I keep the baby and get rid of the, yeah. the bathwater? That's, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. That is what it is. Yeah. In the sense, it's like we shoot ourselves out to this polarity of being extremely embodied and then yeah. we sort of parse out the signal and we take that with us into our costume closet yeah. but we drain the dirty bathwater of noise the pathologies that we're describing exactly. from the extreme and we do the same thing with the hyper scientific hyper analytical hyper philosophical hyper brain oriented because the rational gets drunk on its own brilliance Isness. you know yeah there's so its own. similarly we take parse out the signal take it add it into the costume closet drain the dirty bath water and don't fall into the traps of pathologizing there and in a sense we become very much so again it's super duper abrahamic because it's joseph in the coat of many colors sure it's yeah. it's the chameleon and that sort of integration of 
perspectives, that integration of modalities of being is what usually leads someone to a more holistic, healthy, prosperous well-being for themselves, their family, the community, the world. Yeah. And in this case, sort of becoming more able to take on costumes, place them into the closet, it enables oneself to actually undergo said process that we were indicating at the beginning, which is creating that juxtaposition between colored awareness and pre-coloration awareness and to work out the muscle to go closer and closer towards pre-coloration awareness. Basically, what happens is that the as you work the muscle of pre-coloration awareness, there is, in a sense, a moment when it clicks, when you become, in a sense, realized in the sense that you realize that sentience or awareness or consciousness itself is it. It is source. It is God. The very beingness is it. That is it. Then once that's realized, then from there, you harmonically interweave with existence at a more, with all coloration, with awareness, both pre-coloration and colored. So again, that becomes a unity. But you juxtapose them in order for you to understand that self-realization and then you unify them and you create from that place of knowledge which then makes everything that you do from the highest level of morality so that's sort of the synthesis of that Joseph in the Code of Many Colors chameleon that knows how to ebb between the analytic and the feeling oriented that then gives that synthetic perspective more ability to self-realize which then makes their self-actualization from the highest morality possible. Word. Um, Word. I love it. I love um, it. That was good. We got that done in 25 minutes. Yeah, and, then, and I think yeah. that's a nice like setup. Maybe, and here's what I think we can do is like take, okay, we've laid some framework. I think we've, we've narrowed in on what the kind of issue is. Maybe what we do do now is almost how do we embody it or how do we talk about it in yeah. very practical terms. And one of the things that came to my mind, man, is is I, I feel like I've kind of articulated this point of view to people in the past. And like the the pushback I usually get if if somebody pushes back on it, they it's something along the lines of, well, if you're operating that way, isn't that like inauthentic or isn't that like how do you do that in a way that you're not compromising yourself? you know, the essence of yourself. Like, how can you be... <sighs> because almost like I alluded to, I think everybody has a natural territory. 
like if we're just going to make it, and this is definitely reductive, but if we're just using those three, the tripartite, the triangle of those three poles, the, the geek, the jock, and the hippie, like everybody probably falls somewhere closer to one of those three. And some people are very extreme on the, on the poles of that. But if, if one were to try to make the case of why you can why you can ebb and flow between those and still not compromise your identity. And I think it's almost like, <clears throat> and maybe it is kind of sort of what you were saying about the coloration idea, this idea that you, in order to come to that state where you can ebb and flow between rhetorical languages or states of being, you have to be super firm on your values because I think the danger is if you're not somebody who's really gone inwardly or gone outwardly and, and, and nailed down like what are your personal ten commandments like what what bars will you know what lines will you not pass because you are so convicted on those that this is I know that doing this is just wrong for myself for the world for my friends for my family I think you have to be a really value convicted person to be able to move into that state of kind of this more fluid identity because the danger is if you're not firm on your values, you what you you become this other person in different scenarios, and you compromise your values when you do it. Like you're not, you're not maintaining your fundamental essence. Like, um, and if the first core value is truth, yeah, what occurs is that the the sentient agent, the conscious agent. realizes that first I must know what is I first and if that becomes the first then the simultaneity in pursuing the core value of truth resonates as we self-realize and simultaneously, another core value of self-actualization emerges from the highest morality of I express from that self-realized non-duality, I express as the individual from a creative place of business, entrepreneurship, science, engineering, politics, art, music, you pick. Yet, that core value comes simultaneously with the core value of truth, of what am I. Sure. And so that sort of synthesis there can retain that authenticity that we speak of yet i would also like to say there is a level of advanced consciousness that is called mirror consciousness sure which is in a sense beyond the levels of being in service to others in a very mm -hmm. loving way where you've now mixed wisdom with that which is another level of consciousness which is now love wisdom level consciousness where you know how to create distance so that you're not always just giving love, but that oh, you know, yeah. but you know how to take a so step important. back. Yeah. 
And then the next level above that is typically called this mirror consciousness, which is sort of the Joseph in the coat of many colors or the chameleon level consciousness, where you basically are a pure mirror and we work our purity over time. It's not you get jump to the pure mirror. But if you imagine one of the visuals that I'm currently developing is around the way that the massive solar farms work where they have their reflective mirrors that then reflect the sunlight itself to the tower that's in the middle which then heats up with very high temperature concentration that top part of the tower which then powers an engine that then creates electricity so if your mirror hmm. is dirty, you're not going to reflect as much light. Yeah. And there's a way to purify that mirror. And it's the things that we've been describing. But as you purify that mirror, what happens is that your ability to reflect the light of being itself of the one infinite creator itself of us itself in our true nature of infinity eternity love bliss peace wisdom becomes so high that your presence in society becomes so mirror that where whenever another individual engages with you they only experience the truth hmm. of being itself and so they only experience the truth of being self so that infinity that <clears throat> eternity that love light bliss peace compassion do you mean that in practical terms yeah give me so an example here yeah so I'm here's curious. the example great question here's the example you're embodied literally and this embodied. is and this right is. now you are you you are painting i think there's even elements of this conversation that are those three archetypes totally. we're embody this make this number two how yeah. is this number two? And to me, I'm already all three at the yeah. same time where I'm giving you this perspective from a deeply embodied perspective and a deeply oceanic perspective and a deeply analytic perspective yeah. all at the same time. In this example, it would be something along the lines of, and you can tell because the difference is when someone is all three, they are from an essence, an energy like what I'm exuding currently. The essence of being especially hyper-analytical will typically look a little bit more in some ways, in some expressions of it, as though it is a little bit faster-paced and maybe a little bit up in the head. And it can be... Ben a Shapiro, basically. The, 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 the energy of Ben Shapiro is like the most archetypical, heady, Shapiro. analytical, fire, like f machine gun fire. Machine gun. Uh, Literally, fire. he's a verbal fire. analytical machine gun, right? It's, there's, 
there's a reason why his his go to line is facts don't care about your feelings because he's so disembodied. He is so doubling and tripling down on the analytical poll. Yeah, it's good. So let's let's continue the example. There's that was a there was representation. Can I say one last thing? Yeah, there was a reason why it was so. Think about the inherent humor of why people thought it was so funny that he was criticizing the song WAP is because WAP was the epitome of the tangible, the embodied, the sensual, the sexual, and like the friction, the obvious friction between this hyper-analytical character and Megan the Stallion and, um, um, forgetting the other chick, uh, Nicki Minaj. Like those things couldn't, the humor and the power in that was just the extreme contrast between those two ways of being. Because mm. they were like the almost hyper-archetypical, analytical, embodied, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah. Just an observation. It's just. interesting that you pull that that very that example from the very fabric of our collective consciousness, which yeah. is so resonant. And then here's another example from the collective conscious that is so resonant. You gave the one with the two poles that was very clear there, which is really cool. And then I'll give the one that's a little bit more of a very generic very everyday Mm. so this is your sort of presence when you are at a let's say a grocery store the bodega nice as Mm -hmm. evan has taught me in los angeles so in this case it's not your chained corporate grocery store it's your small mom and pop family owned store in your local area so it's literally where you've been coming in maybe once a week for a couple months and you've even become familiar with the family that runs it so now what the mirror consciousness does one that is extremely integrated with the nature of reality the nature of our true essence they engage with the cashier at checkout and even before that as maybe there is a question example I had some interest in wanting to get an item at Mm. the store that was not in stock. And so I very lovingly (laughs) said, my brother, is this item, do you guys by chance have it in stock? Oh, no, we don't have that one in stock right now. Okay, gotcha. Thanks for letting me know. You know, now there's a big sort of difference between that loving, compassionate, peaceful query about the item in the store versus one that is, in a sense, almost as though like demanding that they be have what I am currently interested in and being frustrated by the fact that it's not there. Yeah. And so now, you know, when you're at checkout, you know, your level of resonance with 
the person, no matter what state they are in. And this is sort of another very solid way to to explain this. I was thinking about that as you were saying this. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <clears throat> perfect timing then. So it's this is the David Hawkins levels of consciousness, very similar to Claire Graves, Don Beck and Chris Cowan's spiral dynamics or any of the greatest minds that have sort of cataloged the evolution of human development from a more egoic level to a more enlightened level. So now this is what the chameleon, the Joseph and the coat of many colors, the mirror level consciousness can do. It can, from a level of pure truth, engage with any of these levels. Hmm. And nice. It can it can do it from a from basically taking its achievement where it's at currently, which is a fully embodied self-realized state of that infinity, eternity, bliss, peace, a.k.a. that enlightenment at the top of the levels of consciousness. And it basically channels that through very undergoing of purification of their own vessel of their own mirror because they've cleaned the dirt so that that solar light can reflect off of it. And in doing so, they when they engage with, let's say, a level of anger in this case, in the grocery store example that the the card machine itself is taking a very long time to process the payment. Usually it only takes five, 10 seconds. Maybe in this case it's taking 30 or 45 seconds. And the person expresses anger and frustration at the yep. fact that it's taking a long time to do. That... <clears throat> <clears throat> that enlightened mirror consciousness, depending on the scenario, would potentially do something like, oh, it's not a problem at all, brother. No problem at all. We'll just be patient as it processes or we'll figure out what to do next with a smile, with that genuine, loving, compassionate smile. And in doing so, it basically immediately in many ways and many times extinguishes the anger and it enables 100%. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you're my my brain is just like cycling through a bunch of related examples to this. I mean, another one that's really much in the pop culture sphere right now is uh, did you hear about what happened with Tom Cruise and his tirade against the film set members that weren't like social distancing? Did you hear about this? Ah. I don't think so. Um, so to summarize it quickly, um, so Tom Cruise is on the set of Mission Impossible 7 right now, right? And um, there's a whole staff and a crew, you know, like there would be for a movie. And apparently they have very rigorous uh, coronavirus standards in place to protect all the members of the cast and crew. And um, for good reason, you know, all for good reason, all completely smart and understandable. 
so what what happened essentially is at a at a moment during the filming, um, I guess a couple of the crew members got too close to each other, or were sitting, were kind of hovering over a computer discussing something, and Tom Cruise just verbally, you know, blew up on these folks, and kind of you know cussed them out and said, you know, you know, if I see this even one more effing time, like you, you're all out of here. Hmm. Um, and it's really fascinating because, well, number one, it, it was recorded, so the whole world has now heard it. <laughs> it's precisely what he said and precisely the way it was delivered. But I find it f- a fascinating case study in human behavior to see the different way people have reacted to it. Because a lot of people have heralded his reaction, that that was appropriate, that that was the right way. It was righteous in- indignation almost, This kind because there's this moral element to the kind of thing, right, that he was defending the good, even this idea that the kind of the the means justify the end. That even though he was very abrasive and 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 was not looking to understand the intent or the humanness of those individuals, he decided to react in a way that was very, in my opinion, certainly very egoic. Right? Like I'm the arbiter of truth and reason, and I'm gonna I'm going to very emphatically and very aggressively deliver what I think you need. You must do, and it's it's literally black and white there's no there's none of this reason there's no acceptance there's not willingness there's not neutrality none of these things in this list it's everything that's below force it's very forceful but i think what's interesting about all this is that once again one man's point of view but i think the mistake that a lot of people neglect is that they indulge what will make them feel better about the situation versus what will actually deliver the result. Mm. So even in, even in, and here's what he's in, here's the even more interesting part about it. Even if you were thinking in a purely selfish fashion, even in a kind of an unenlightened quote unquote, if you will, a purely selfish fashion, and you kind of portrayed this idea that you were, let's say that that scenario you just said about the card, like what if the person was to, essentially do what you just said but did it in a very disingenuous way like in the back of their head they were grinding their teeth and they just wanted to they were inches from just wanting to blow up on this person but they made the conscious decision to override that and to do that but what if they did it solely step in the right direction it was just definitely a step in the right direction and i agree and and what's so interesting it becomes more authentic over time i and i i tend to agree with that i think that's right yeah it's 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 more like the action happens first and then the sentiment follows almost. But I mean, the bizarre thing about that is there, even if you were thinking a very, still in a very low level egoic sense, that just being nice literally could probably end, end, end in more positive results down the line. That perhaps that person likes you more. Now, next time you go back, they help you cut the line or they throw in a little bit of extra something or other or they. Totally. They, they did. There's some. That's how you get abundance. When people talk about manifesting abundance, they're usually talking about when you express from an enlightened state of consciousness. What occurs is that you end up manifesting said scenarios where somebody that is in serving the table at the restaurant is so in love with your energy of your table is that that's when they say that oh well the kitchen had that extra appetizer that's right and then you're like no surprise um 
that's how it works. And if you're bad energy at the table, then the same. It, it's yeah. you're then it's the other gonna, way though. The other yeah. way. Yeah. They're gonna look for a reason to be a little they they had your food ready, but they Let's just let their food sit there for five minutes. Let it get a little colder. Then we'll bring it out to that jerk. You know, that kind of... And that's real. That's so human and so common, right? Um, this is a good examples in the normal world. In this Tom Cruise example, the indulgence that you speak of, it is it is very, in a sense... It's 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 beautiful because it's an expression of the creation that we get to sit here and and understand it and see it and see how there's millions of people around the world reacting to it, which is such a fascinating phenomenon unfolding. And I think Yet, the interest we, go ahead, we know what is more efficacious now. Yeah. And so now we sort of have an integration of how all of these different people view that scenario where Tom Cruise made that expression and now they're sort of consciousness able to reflect on how can we be more integral how can we be more holistic of more perspectives in that scenario which might be something along the lines of well maybe these two that are a little bit closer together at that time yeah. Maybe, first of all, kind of like when you're in when you're driving and somebody cuts you off is to think first and foremost, maybe this person is in a rush to get to a hospital. So that's usually the first thing that comes to mind from a more enlightened perspective. Similarly, with the the two that are on the set, it might be something along the lines of, well, these two might be. A little bit closer together because they are looking at a model that is only on a device yeah, that is exactly. that they have to be in near proximity to look at and so then that's the first sort of step towards what is called in the schools of enlightenment it's called creating the pause oh yeah you become more of an observer or a witness rather than something that's immediately reacting. Totally, yeah. And so when you create that pause, it enables you to take in more of the costumes into your closet as Joseph in the Coat of Many Colors, and therefore you become closer and closer to that mirror state of being where the way that to engage them is something uh, more like, hey guys, I see that. It looks like you're currently really close together working on something. Uh, I understand that you're probably doing it because it's required given the device and model that you're looking at. But let's aim to see if maybe we can port that content over to a larger screen so we can stay a little bit further from each other while we do it. Yeah. Like there's There are ways to very... It's a very... Yeah. Lovingly very and compassionately and practically address scenarios like this and so these are the very everyday scenarios and the very celebrity influencer level scenarios that end up penetrating the collective conscious which is yeah which is really interesting that we gave that that sort of those examples along this this path yeah of yeah along this continuum and along this path of of 
starting with the what am I question. And then that core value of truth, first and foremost, driving the muscle more and more towards awareness pre-coloration, which lands you more and more at the truth of sentience, consciousness, awareness itself being it source god that in itself being that which then enables all of the self-actualization of your next core value of whatever expression your unique artistic agent would like to create value into the world of it comes from the highest morality that would be i think and feel and know from my understanding as the synthesis of this conversation that we've had on the episode. Are there other thoughts that you'd like to share? Because we just... Uh, yeah, 50 minutes. That's good. Yeah. yeah, that was good. We, that was, was very perfect timing. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. That's a wrap, folks. Thanks for Thanks for joining us on this conversation about self-realization and levels of consciousness and creation expressing itself we really appreciate you we would love to hear your thoughts in the comments below on the episode let us know what you're thinking let us know what you're feeling let us know what you're knowing and understanding about what we've been sharing definitely what you're feeling i like yeah, that yeah. did we get your blood flowing today did we get that did, blood flow were you aroused i mean <laughs> were you aroused i love it i love it you know, were and you empowered were you? Do you feel like yeah. going out and running a lap now? Do you feel Which like meditating? Do you feel like yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's you tell good. us. Yeah. You tell us in the comments below. I like that. Like the video, subscribe if you haven't already, share the video with people that you know that this is important for. You can find we have Evans Instagram in the bio below you can go and follow him there you can also check out our links for simulation in the bio below you can support us if you would like and help us continue actualizing our biggest goals here and support the other artists entrepreneurs spiritual leaders scientists engineers people that are building the future in your communities and around the world help them manifest their goals undergo this process that we've been talking about on the episode work the muscle self-realize truth as the core value we love you lots thanks for tuning in we'll see you soon peace <laughs>